With more than 200 accredited courses and more than 1,000 videos, the Police One Academy is a powerful online solution that provides department training programs with features that reduce time spent on records and policy management, credential tracking, and more. It is law enforcement training made simple and effective. For more information and to get a 30-day trial, visit www.policeoneacademy.com forward slash policing matters. Hello, and thank you for clicking, and thank you for listening to Policing Matters, the Police One podcast. I'm Doug Wiley. Hey, this is Jim Dudley. Jim, we have a very special guest again, Jason Potts, lieutenant out of Vallejo PD. Um, Jason, you guys have been doing some really interesting things with problem-oriented policing, in particular with auto burglaries. Could you tell us a little about that program? Yeah, so what we did is kind of what we call a quasi-experiment or problem-oriented policing kind of concept. It's based on um, Herman Goldstein and the whole Sarah model. So scan, analyze, and respond, and assess um, the issue. So POP is really just kind of looking at things, um, not just the individual, but looking at clusters of problems. So what we discovered is um, auto burglaries, people are, a lot of jurisdictions are suffering from um, the epidemic of auto burglaries. And we discovered that we had an 11% increase from the previous year. So we sought out to, um, during our holiday sh- uh, shopping seasons, to lower that um, lower the crime rate for our autobergs in that uh, area. So we did a bunch of different interventions. We at first ran an enforcement type of uh, phase where we used GPS bait uh, with hidden cameras. Mm. Uh, so we put actual GPS in Milwaukee tools and put them in cars. Um, we did some surveillance and we made some arrests based on that. We actually thought it would be um, like shooting fish in a barrel. Mm-hmm. We found out it was more difficult uh, than it was. We actually, at some po- at one point, I was putting these tools in the back of a truck just to see if folks would take them, and they wouldn't. Um, what we learned, though, is that, yeah. I'm whatever, really surprised by for that. For whatever reason. So what we learned is that folks were also using personal hotspots on their iPhones to lessen their suspicion. So they would go around. Um, in, the, in the past, you, you have to look and peer into cars, look and be suspicious, right? right? Yeah, I mean, surreptitious it, nods. Exactly. Through, you, know, be, so you, you can spot that. What we learned is that they were actually using personal hotspots on their iPhones and looking. They're targeting iPhones, MacBooks, iPads, and looking for devices that also had their personal hotspots on. And so they, they would limit their search. They'd go up to that car and go, there it is. There's, a, there's something in there. They pull up next to it. We see this on video. Break the window, get the bag, and be gone in less than 30 seconds. Right. So what we did is we ended up putting um, personal Wi-Fi hotspots in um, our bait car along with our GPS bait technology. And that helped as well. So we ended up making five arrests um, over the 55-day study, um, which is not as many as we thought actually, um, but we, we had uh, some results with that. And then we went from there into kind of a deterrence mode, which is, we called it a hide it, lock it, take it campaign, where mm-hmm. we put out crime prevention flyers, crime prevention billboards. We use unoccupied police cars. We call them ghost cars. And we put them in um, different areas of the lot to kind of show a, kind of a deterrence piece, yeah. right? To say, yeah. hey, there's a pl- the police are there. You know, there's, some, there's an argument against that. At some point, you leave it there. They're going to get wise to that car's left there overnight. But right. we started moving it every once in a while, randomly um, doing that as well. And then we did that in conjunction with what we call focus patrol. For 30 days, we had two officers that were just patrolling that area, that quadrant, for 30 days. Mm-hmm. And we found that the folks that had more FIs or more police citizen contacts, when that happened, the data showed that we had less thefts. And more arrests, mm-hmm. so that had an inter- that had a uh, effect, a positive effect on our overall crime. So the result was we had a forty percent de- decline um, in autoburgs c- compared to the uh, year previously, 
What's interesting, what's important about that is that we had a 25% increase leading up to it. And then as soon as we started November 8th, from November 8th to December 30th, we had a 40% decrease from the previous year. So we can kind of correlate that there was... That these very significant. Yes, yeah, these interventions had an effect. And I know another uh, agency in the Bay Area did it as well. I'll just go ahead and say Fremont had a lot of success doing similar uh, interventions as well. Mm -hmm. So I know San Francisco has suffered quite a bit with Autobergs. Um, and we're pretty proud of the results. It's, it's an epidemic here in San Francisco. Yeah. So can I ask you, Jason, it, it, considering that there are chronic auto burglars, so if there are 15 cars with broken glass on a street, chances are they're not 15 no, auto burglars, two. right? Yeah, one or two. Yeah. So yeah. did you consider the, the decline by 40% based on maybe a couple of those five yeah. arrests? That so that made? first phase, right, was the enforcement phase. And we actually did. And we, and we actually found that a few of those arrests were really good crooks that mm. were doing it all over the Bay Area. And we're, we confirmed that with some of the emails we sent out to our neighboring uh, partners and neighboring agencies. So, yeah, that definitely had an effect because I think it's a small, it's a small uh, segment of um, – of these crooks that do these kind of things. Right. So we had an effect on that. that. Just basically making those two or three arrests, especially the first one we remember, um, that definitely had an effect because those were two two good crooks that were doing um, quite a bit of uh, crime throughout the Bay Area yeah. as far as auto burglaries. So, you know, from, from the time I, I worked, um, it used to be you'd see late at night a meth head mm -hmm. riding on a bicycle one way down the wrong way on a street looking into cars to break into. Right. Uh, apparently now there's some sophistication added to auto break-ins where uh, some local agencies are talking about gangs that target um, auto booths as, as money makers for their organizations. You see that? Yeah, so um, there was a big um, investigation um, in Oakland and the East Bay where um, there was a gang that was involved in these autobergs. And again, they're targeting the iPhones, the MacBooks, the iPads, and they're using this technology to kind of lessen their, their suspicion when they're going around doing their, their crimes. So um, again, using their personal hotspot and looking for these, these devices that are left in cars. So for citizens out there and, and for folks that are listening, is tell your family members and and friends to not leave their personal hotspot on their iPhones because this is what some of these crooks are targeting. Mm. And the purpose for having the um, well, personal Wi-Fi even on is for when you're using another device immediately in the vicinity. Mm -hmm. So yes. there's no purpose for leaving that particular feature activated if you're not right there with your devices. Right. You know, right. I mean, you could use your phone to tether to your laptop and work at the Starbucks or wherever you're, you're hanging out. Sure. And it's, it's perfectly great technology. Because right. you're sitting there right there with your stuff. But if you leave your laptop in the trunk of your car, right. there's no benefit for you to, to have that technology right. activated. Yeah, exactly. And so what we did is we basically put out that campaign to call the hide it, lock it, take it. So mm -hmm. hide your stuff, lock your car, take your items. Um, and we did that with crime prevention flyers. We even did it on a bulletin board, a bulletin board electronic bulletin board on the freeway. Huh. So just increase that awareness. Oh, I know, that, I know that one. I know that one. <laughs> yeah. So we, we did that to increase our, um, you know, knowledge for folks out there that hey this is this is an issue be careful so you were proud of that you know the 40 percent drop um and again 25 percent increase leading up to those interventions and then a 40 percent drop so and it's what's really interesting I and mean, the results are great and the results are interesting but it's the methodology that you used yes that really i think is is repeatable is uh is something that other agencies can can do so yeah. can you maybe explain a little about what 
how you did the examination of the data from the previous year to this okay. year and all of that. Sure. So, and I think I mentioned in the previous um, podcast is that it's really important to partner with crime analysts. So uh, we had a crime analyst who just um, uh, was assigned to us and uh, partnering with him, he told us, hey, these are where the, where the crime's occurring. This is when it's occurring. And we literally had heat maps in our quadrant. So we yep. attacked our main shopping center, the Northeast uh, area, the Gateway Plaza area. And he had areas, literally Chevy's or a Best Buy or Costco. These are the areas where, where they're hitting. And what mm -hmm. we would do is put unoccupied police cars in those areas and those times. And we're attacking it. Again, problem-oriented policing is going after the problem, the, uh, just a holistic approach, going after, just not on the surface, but you're actually going after the area, your target hardening. It's called situational crime prevention, where you're increasing the lighting, crime prevention through environmental design. There's all mm -hmm. kinds of benefits to all this right. stuff. When you increase lighting, you target harden, you increase awareness, you let people know. We had our volunteers putting out flyers, um, doing the GPS bay. We continued that throughout the program. And then there was an enforcement concept, uh, part of this as well, but it really was just deterrence. It was crime prevention deterrence by target hardening in the area and having focus patrol. Jim, how do you approach this topic of um, pre prevention and deterrence uh, when you're talking to your criminal justice students? How is it that, and, and frankly, how do they receive it? Because, you know, they're kids. No, it's great. And, and we do a whole segment that probably lasts about three weeks on problem solving. And just like Jason said, we, we go through the steps of Sarah. We look at, we use that for crime trends, crime patterns, serials. We use the, the um, crime triangle. If you can identify the suspect, the victim, or the location, you can come up with a crime strategy towards one of those sides. So that's where Sarah is really important. And, and as Jason said, the final A in Sarah, the assessment phase, is the most important, 30, 60, 90 days, six months. And it's often ignored, unfortunately, in policing. A lot of times, just the A is ignored in the SARA, right? Mm -hmm. So we scan and respond, but a lot of times we don't analyze and assess. Right. So that's really why it's so important, for, especially in POP, in SARA, is having that partnership with a crime analyst. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's some there's some discussions out there that for every 100 officers, you should be hiring two or three crime analysts. Yeah, no, um, it makes sense. So it's, it's okay. pretty important. Right, so, and the idea is that police... Um, you know, I'm, I'm not afraid to say that we, we would take a path of least resistance whenever mm -hmm. we could. So you fix a problem, you put a patch on it, and you walk away from it. And maybe a month or two later, it sprouts up again in the exact same spot. So mm -hmm. that's where it's really important to hit the assessment, find out what works, do something to maintain it so that you don't have to keep running back and putting out the fire. But but also what, what Jason said, SEPTED is another portion that we talk about in identifying uh, location uh, features that contribute to a crime. Right. So we often use, uh, I won't say what the name brand of the stores, but we tend to call them stop and robs or convenience stores mm -hmm. where you could drive in, you could drive out. Uh, they put up um, all kinds of posters and advertisements on the windows. Um, the, the lighting's poor. Uh, there might be graffiti, so so it's attractive to that criminal element. Uh, it's a place where where the criminal element likes to hang out or or do or plan their deeds. So you want to do something to environment to the environment to change it. Uh, increase the lighting, clean up the graffiti, uh, trim the hedges, open up the windows. So the the three important elements uh, are to control access. Mm -hmm to uh, maintain the environment uh, and to improve the opportunities to see and be seen. 
And so if you have a, a police officer in a patrol vehicle driving by one of these convenience stores and they see, you know, three six packs for $20 on the window and not the guy holding the, gu the gun to the cashier's head, then um, it, it never happened, right? Yeah. They drive right by. So yeah. in the POP Center, um, there's a website and they actually have the 25 techniques of situational crime prevention and they have five and they have five with five rows. So increase the effort, so target hard in the area, increase the risks, extend guardianships, have good guardianships, right? Mm -hmm. So that's all crime prevention flyers. Reduce the rewards, conceal targets, disrupt markets, um, reduce provocation. So such, such as getting ID for Sudafed, that was kind of a thing, right? right. And, and fixed cab fares, removing excuses, setting rules. So all these things is a great, I encourage our listeners to look at that, is the 25 techniques for situational crime prevention. It's on the uh, Pop Center website. Pop Center, so, yeah. Yeah, it's a really, really good website. And again, Herman Goldstein did a bunch of things with that. He was the pioneer in that in 1979, and it's grown um, in conjunction with evidence-based policing. So right. yeah, good and, stuff. and why reinvent the wheel? If you go to Pop Center, you can pull up a bunch of tried and true best practices and hey, take them. Exactly. We want to know what you're doing with evidence-based policing and problem-oriented policing. Send us an email to policingmatters at policeone.com. That's policingmatters at policeone.com. Thanks again for listening.